Welcome to The Land of Aru, a fan cast of Carcerum the Series, presented by the American Council for the Blind, Sunday edition with Anthony, and supported by Shane Salk Productions. We are here every Tuesday night on ACB Media 5, broadcasting an episode each week and speaking with a notable either from the episode or from the series itself. We're going to get into a great conversation with Richard in a little while, and we are very thrilled to have Bill, Bill Holmes, back with us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Bill, you know, you've you've been listening vicariously through the In the Land of Aru podcast each week, knowing that this is is touching the blind and visually impaired community the way it is. How is that changed anything for you for, you know, the trajectory of Carcerum the first season or what you'll do next season? Um, gosh, that is a complicated question. Um I, right now, I don't think it has changed anything because your audience has given us such great feedback uh, through these podcasts. I think we would, uh, we'll probably proceed uh, forward with the way we've been doing it and just putting out as best quality uh, mixing and recording and acting as, as we possibly can because it, it seems to be working. It seems like everybody really likes it. So when I got the, when I put the word out that you were going to be filling in for Shane this week, I got two specific questions for you. Do you mind if I throw them at you now? Not at all. Go right ahead. I'm ready. All right. So the voiceover doctor, everybody who's been on here has basically said, you know, in some way, form or another that you did something. You, you gave them something, you enlightened something for them that made their career blossom. It made their career go from, you know, hits and misses to I'm an actual voiceover actor. So being the doctor, tell us a little bit about what it feels like to, you know, be the spark for all these careers and what folks out there who want to be part of this should know before they, they set on their journey. Oh, okay. Well, that, I mean, it's very kind that people say that for one. Um, two, what I feel that I give them uh, is basically honesty. I'm very honest with the uh, students who, who uh, come to me. And um, uh, the term, the voiceover doctor kind of came about as I'm, I'm very good. If I have a talent, I have a talent for discovering what people's weaknesses are and then kind of going right to that. And, and in a, very loving and, and soft way. <laughs> uh, tell them, tell them what, what they need to change. And, and, but not only that is we give them the process. We teach them the process of how to go ahead and change it, how to recognize uh, how they can fix their own problems on their own so that they can go away from, from a person like me, a voiceover coach and, and do it on their own. But basically I'm, I'm giving them the keys to the car and I'm saying, great, now go drive the car and be careful. So a, a sidebar question from me personally would be folks that are really, really interested. They're really invested. They want to do this. Yes. They, they think that they have a voice. They think that they have the personality to carry this. If they're going to send something to you as a demo to say, hey, you know, where do I fit in this world? What are you looking for from someone like that? And is it okay for some of our members, if they really feel like they're at that level, to send you and get a critique from you? Absolutely. If, if people have little demos they put together, 
uh, send, send them over. You can send it to, uh, uh, well, I don't even know what my address is. I, I think try compost HQ at gmail.com. Um, I think there's a voice of our doctor email out there somewhere. You can get it at my, uh, at my, uh, website at voiceoverdoctor.com. Uh, I have all my minions put all those together. So I don't have that at my fingertips. Um, but, um, if you send me something, just know I am going to be brutally honest with you uh, because honesty is the key when you're working with me. Um, but what people really need to know is it's not necessarily the voice itself. You don't need to have the voice. Um, you need to be what, what, when you want to get in the voiceover, basically you're saying you want to get into the world of acting because voiceover the, the people who work, I mean, everybody that you have heard in our in our series here, Carcerum, they are some of the best actors I have ever worked with in my career. And, um, and I've been doing this for about 35 years. I've been directing, uh, you know, beginner people to celebrity people. And um, it all comes down to the acting. So um, if if people really are interested in getting into this, uh, what they want to do is they want to start studying some acting, some improvisation, um, you know, take some voiceover classes. In fact, our tonight's guest, Richard Horvitz, um, he teaches great animation classes. And I'm not saying this just because I know he's listening. He's one of the best teachers out there. And he's very good at helping to guide uh, people's careers who are just starting out as well. Uh, there's other people out there like Bob Bergen and, uh, you know, Maya, well, Dana Powers, the, the woman. Dana Powers, she, absolutely. She plays Aura uh, and, and she is a, a wonderful voiceover teacher. So, the, so there's many teachers out there, um, but you, you just kind of want to find the right one that fits you. And again, like I said, what, what we teach here is we, we kind of cut through all the bull crap and we get we get to the meat of what your problem is and we tell you this is what you need to work on and if you practice and if you work at it and if you're diligent you could be a voiceover actor um uh, i i like to brag anthony that i have been thrown out of some of the best schools in the country okay <laughs> and, yes uh, and it did, didn't mean that I was a bad actor. It just meant that that particular method was not best for me. And when I found the teachers that were better for me, I, I became a better actor through their guidance. So I'm going to I'm going to add a little bit to this question. It comes from Maria and she's the treasurer of a bunch of special interest affiliates throughout the American Council of the Blind. Um, and she's noted that we've spoken about improv a lot over our various episodes here in the land of Aru as far as preparing yourself for being able to get those acting chops. But she's wondering, are there pieces of voiceover that you'd recommend that folks who want to get into this business go listen to? And if so, can you give us like why we should listen to those pieces and what we're, we're listening for? I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing her question because it was long rambling and <laughs> I love you, Maria. I do, but it was like four paragraphs and I can't, I can't read all that. I don't read her out. Um, but basically what she's asking for is pieces of voiceover that you consider like the creme de la creme and why should we listen to them before we consider doing a demo ourselves? Yes. I mean, it, it seems somewhat self-serving, but uh, Carcerum is a really great example um, because uh, in Carcerum, I have uh, we've we've hired cartoon actors. And Christmas Carol too. 
but absolutely. And Christmas Carol, correct. But we've hired people from across the board that do uh, film, television, uh, voiceovers, commercials, uh, animation, and video games. We have everybody you can think of in Carcerum. So, and and uh, Christmas Carol as well, like you said. So that is a real good place to start. There's there's many many uh, different forms of acting in there. But if you notice, they're not all cartoon characters, even though these guys play cartoons. We have Pinky and the Brain. We have all the turtles. We have, I mean, we have everybody in this thing. Um, but uh, if you wanted to specifically focus in on animation, you know, go to your Sunday morning anim or Saturday morning cartoons, basically, as, as the old guy will talk about, and uh, just start watching as much animation as possible. If, if you want to learn... The techniques of video game uh, uh, actors, you know, if you don't play video games, there are things online that you can go to called cutscenes, and you can just type in a cutscene of, of video games and listen to the acting. And again, you'll notice that things like Carcerum, things like video games like Fallout 4 and things like that, the acting is much more real and it's much more uh, centered and even some of the animation out there these days, it's not real cartoony voices. It's, I mean, I'm in a, a few episodes of uh, Rick and Morty and, yes. and the things that I'm in, I'm not really doing a lot of character stuff. I got to do a couple of dialects here and there, but the main character I do is this minister in a church. And I was just pretty much being myself and, and putting myself within the situation. And they, they hired me because of my honesty as an actor rather than the way I sound. You know, now you have you do have someone like and I hope Richard won't mind me using him as an example. Richard has a very unique sound as as an actor. And he, he sounds like a lot of, you know, he can sound like a beaver and he can sound like Invader Zim, you know, just kind of the way he sounds. And he affects it maybe a little bit. But what what is is wonderful about Richard and and his performance that you're about to hear tonight is he is one of the best actors that I have worked with. And I, like I said, I've been doing this a long time. He approaches everything from an acting point of view first. And then, you know, Bob Bergen teaches uh, animation classes and Bob will always say, you know, get, get the acting first and then the voice will follow. Don't get the voice first. Uh, find the, find the acting and, and make that honest first. So I think just to to clarify for our audience, you know, Shane has, has kind of promised us that if we sense, you know, a few little pieces in, if, if we're interested in this, that we'll get a true critique. I, I think it would behoove to hear from, you know, the voiceover doctor himself that, you know, if if some stuff is sent in from our community and we're very much about, you know, all about us, nothing about us without us you know, as much representation and participation from our community as possible. Um, but what I'm asking is, I think, to reinforce Shane's promise that if if our folks send, you know, a piece or two in, that it's not overburdening you, that it, it, it is okay with you guys to give a critique and to give them that next step or to work on next. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. If Listen, if Shane's listening to it, you just got to know that I'm listening to it because, you know, Shane and I are the odd couple. We're here. We live in the apartment and he's the messy one and I'm the clean one. And and uh, <laughs> we're, we're here pretty much about 12 hours a day. So if he's listening to something, if, if you send it to him, just know that my ears are on it, too. And if, if you guys want critiques from me, just, you know, add that in. Say, 
hey, can the doctor listen to it too? And I'd be happy to, uh, to, you know, send a critique. And even if you want to, you know, give me a phone call, I'll sit and chit chat with you. I mean, that's what we do here. We do here. We, you know, we, we help people out and, and, uh, you know, Carcerum was born out of, uh, out of this love for what we do and, and, uh, and the community that helped us get Carcerum to where it is, did it out of, out of friendship and love for us and so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're very willing to give that back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't be a pain in the butt and keep calling us every five minutes. But you know, we'll we'll definitely have a listen. And and again, I'm I'm brutally honest with people. So if you don't want me to be honest, you know, I'm not just going to go. That was really great. You know, good luck. You know, I'm not going to say things like that. I'm going to tell you the nuts and bolts of what you need to do if you if you want to get into this business. And it's a it's a very tough business to get in. Well, I, I want to thank you so much. I've thanked Shane repeatedly, but I'll thank him every week that we do this. Um, our community, you know, we have a 70% unemployment rate in our community. And I think that we're very often looked over for the chance sure. to show the skills that we have because folks are afraid that being, being blind or low vision adds all those extra layers. Oh, you need extra software. You need this. You need that. You need someone to teach you where the bathroom is, you know, and it's too much trouble for them to take the chance on someone like us to hire so that you and Shane are so willing to work with our community and, and give them some tips and help them along their journey makes it's, it's, it's incredible. And we're very, very thankful for these opportunities every week to have these conversations and to you know, bank on your knowledge, send something oh, yeah. into you, and get true feedback. You're you're very welcome, and uh, you know Shane and I are falling in love with this community. So uh, if, <laughs> if there's Thank anything you. we can we can do to give back, you know, just uh, you know, all, all we ask in return, hey man, get the word out, get people listening to Carcerum because we want to do a season two, and we have another series that we we have prepared that that we want to start working on. So. We have an awful lot of content that we can put out there. And, and if this is a community that wants that content, we'll do anything we can to help that community out. All right. So, Jeff, are you ready to run this week's episode? Yes, sir. All right. I want to thank Jeff Bishop, who is one of ACB's board members. He's streaming for us and running the full version of tonight's episode. So if you are listening through ACB Media and you put your headphones in, you're going to get that full spatial audio. And, of course, our host tonight is Cindy LaVon. We'll talk to her in, when we get back from the episode. Jeff, whenever you're ready, run that episode for us. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome back to In the Land of Aru, a Carcerum fancast podcast here on the American Council of the Blind Media 5. So if you'd like to speak with any of us tonight, you can hit the Sunday edition link for any of our Sunday edition programming. You can also go to Carcerum the series and hit the tab for In the Land of and access access. Blah, 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 excuse me, it's been a long week. Access access us that way. Okay. I am definitely not destined to become a voiceover artist. William, do you mind if I bring you to the forefront for another couple of questions? No, not at all. Go right ahead. 
So I have to say, this is an amazing episode for Kevin slash Shane. Um, you know, the different depths of, of feeling that he had to portray tonight, the, the way that he drove the story in tonight's episode, et cetera, et cetera. I have to ask, and Shane will be here next week, and we'll probably throw it to him in the opposite end of the spectrum question, but when all this was being played out and you knew that Ke that Shane wanted to play Kevin, were there any misgivings? Did you think that he could carry the role the way that he was carrying it thus far? Well, I would love to say there were many vis misgivings, but <laughs> I would be lying. Uh, no, we, we actually wrote Kevin with Shane in mind. Uh, the beautiful thing about creating your own show is you kind of get to do what, whatever the hell you want, really. And um, I knew that I would be very, very busy uh, uh, directing and, and putting this thing together along with Shane, but he really wanted to play, uh, you know, a lead role in this. And uh, we, we wrote Kevin with Shane in mind and I had absolutely no misgivings about Shane's ability to pull it off. And because I think he's pulled it off brilliantly, I really have. I, I absolutely agree with you. And as we're listening to these episodes, Shane has embodied the character of Kevin. And he's self-admitted that a lot of the components of Kevin come from what he knows he is personality-wise as Correct. Shane. But when when you look when you listen to an episode like tonight, and you really you know get to to feel it from an audience perspective, did you know? And at some point, did you like say to yourself like, "Wow, he's really got it." They, you know, not only is he producing this, not only is he, is he helping us build this world, but this character was was him. It, it's always been him. Oh, absolutely. Um... You know, as soon as I heard Shane starting to do it, yeah, you know what was funny? It was, it was, uh, it was interesting because Shane wanted to be a little less than him, a little more than himself, and uh, it was kind of my job to. to <laughs> I remember saying to him in many sessions, like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah buddy, just be more Shane, just be more you, buddy. You know, you're the guy. You know," and uh, and then he kept looking at me, going, eh, "Okay, all right," you know. And, and he did because, uh, you know, Kevin is, a, you know, he's a very layered character and Shane in real life is a, a very layered human being. He's got uh, uh, many facets to his personality and I've known him for a long time and I've worked with him uh, for quite some time. And uh, uh, it was it was fun uh, kind of making him be himself. <laughs> and you know what? I, I've got to go with you on that. I can imagine that. At some points, you and him argued back and forth. No, but this is the reason you're Kevin is because you're Shane. Give exactly, us this. Yeah. Give us this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it yeah. And, and again, he's so he's so very close to the story and so very close to, you know, because because uh, I mean, we basically kind of co-directed this ourselves because, you know, I would I would have to look at him. He he was more. Uh, in tune with the story itself uh, because he was working closer with the writers than me. And so I would always uh, uh, come to him for advice. It's like, Hey, I was thinking it's going to go here, going to go there. A am I correct? You, you know, can I do this? 
And so when he became Kevin, he would kind of have to step outside of that role and, and really, yeah. really trust me to let, let Kevin be who Kevin is, you know, and it was a really fun collaboration for, for both of us. So that leads right into the next question I wanted to ask. So being the creators, being the, the people that are building this world together, you know, were there any points where you and he came to a place where, you know, I'm playing this this way because this is the way I see it in my brain and you're hearing it and wanting to direct it because you hear it this way in your brain and you had to kind of like meet in the middle? Yes, uh, that did happen on a few occasions, and uh, I always won. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to introduce our guest in a moment, but um, the reason that you're here with us tonight, we're so glad you're here with us, because I really wanted to clarify those things at the beginning of the show, that our, our community can come to you and, and give us and get a real feel from you and Shane whether or not they, they have something that can contribute to this business. Mm-hmm. But the reason that Kevin is not here with us tonight is because he's with Dave, who does the music for Car Serum. Dave and Opie. we're hoping, yeah, Dave Opie. And we're hoping that you guys are going to be awarded yet again for this amazing series. So can you just tell the folks where Shane is tonight? Yes, he, he and Dave Volpe are at the Ambi Awards um, and uh, we are uh, we've been nominated for the best original score and music supervision for an Ambi tonight, and uh, you know hopefully we'll we'll win because I think the I, mean, I, I think the music for this is is amazing. Dave Volpe is so good at what he does, and um, the music to me was the real. It was really the second most important thing. Uh, when we were putting this together. So I'm, I'm really thrilled that it's being recognized, whether we win or not, it's definitely being recognized out there uh, in the world of podcasts. So, so fingers crossed. I hope we have good news next week. Absolutely. So I'm going to put you on the spot one more time. Do you want to introduce our guest tonight? Yeah, sure. I'll introduce our guest tonight. (laughs) Um, uh, He's a a very good friend. Richard and I started out uh, at the same, uh, agency office uh, back uh, about a hundred years ago. And uh, we, in fact, we've auditioned for the same, some of the same projects where he was very successful getting them and I wasn't. Um, uh, but The doctor admits that out loud. Oh yeah. yeah no. <laughs> well, not, not for the same part, but I was, I was up for one of the angry beavers and uh, uh, Nick Bakai got the, got the role, but, um, but Richard Horvitz is a, uh, one of the the best actors I have ever worked with. He is uh, he's a, a fantastic writer. He does film. He does television. Uh, he was one of the uh, <laughs> I think he was one of the bunches of grapes in a Fruit of the Loom commercial years ago. And um, but uh, he's also an an excellent voiceover coach. He teaches animation classes, and he's one of the best uh, voiceover teachers out there, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, it was it was a pleasure working with him. Uh, the only bad thing I can say about Richard is he's a Dodgers fan and I'm a Cubs fan. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, welcome. We can live with that. I'm a Yankees Mets. You know, I'm a Yankees Mets, and I've got to you know dole out how much I love each team each season. But 
we, we, we can that, we can work is, with that. That is democratically safe to be a Yank- Yankees and a Mets fan. Yeah, right. That's yeah. too easy. No, too I'm a Cubs easy, fan. I'm not a Sox fan. Cubs. Yeah, fan. exactly. I'm a, I'm a Dodgers fan. I'm not an Angels fan. Listen, let me tell you something. When you come when you come from New York, yeah. you go for whatever makes New York visible. Whatever makes <laughs> New York. So, you know, right. if the because, Giants are in the Super Bowl, you're a Giants fan. Yeah, because New York Mets is such... to make it to, you're a Mets fan. Right, because <laughs> New York is such a quiet little state that no one pays attention to. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> welcome, um, welcome, welcome. Thank to you. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Bill, uh, for that very kind introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. So, you know, I'm going to start with you the way I start with everybody. Tell us your version into the world of work that you do now. But start with where you came from and, and the things that excited you along the way that got you so hooked that you became the artist that you are now? Wow, that's a that's a pretty involved question, uh, Anthony. I will do my best. Um, I started out as a child actor at the age of five many, many years ago. I grew up watching uh, Tom Jones and Flip Wilson and Don Adams' Get Smart. And as a child, that's what it's I was. It's not unusual. To be alone. <laughs> yes, that yeah. is what I wanted to do from the time I was five. Uh, by the time my, my parents weren't really in the business, you know, uh, we grew up in the San Fernando Valley where there was a lot of um, child actors, but uh, they they were not uh, into that whole scene. But when I was about 10 years old, I did a play here in the Valley and um, the the writer of that show introduced me to his commercial agent. And I started out doing on camera commercials at the age of 10 and uh, I did a lot of them. Uh, and a lot of uh, guest spots on on a lot of TV sitcoms back in the day when there were only three networks. And then um, by the time I hit 13, I was cast in my first uh, Broadway musical. Uh, well, not Broadway. It was here in L.A., but it was an equity production. It was called Oliver. And uh, oh. it, it starred many of uh, of the celebrity, the stars of the 1968 uh, musical Shaney Wallace, who played Nancy in the musical, reprised the role in this version. Anna White, who had uh, uh, won an Oscar for d- choreographing the original 1968 mo- musical movie, uh, directed it. Uh, Stubby K from um, from uh, Guys and Dolls with Frank Sinatra and Marlon Brando played Mr. Bumble and uh, Dick Sean from It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, as well as the producers. He played Fagan. And so um, that is what I thought was going to be my uh, life because I love musical theater. It's still my favorite uh, all time uh, medium is is musical theater. But I was in Los Angeles already working in television and commercials, so no agent was going to send a 13-year-old kid to New York for a year where they couldn't make money off him. So I never made it to Broadway, but I still continue my love with theater. I still do plays whenever I can. But in the meantime, I uh, started doing uh, uh, even more television shows, different strokes, You Can't Take It With You, a bunch of different shows. And then in the 80s, I hit kind of my stride in uh, teen films, most notably among them was a movie called Summer School with Mark Harmon and Kirstie Alley, directed by Carl Reiner, where I played Alan Ekian. And then uh, right around the Writers Guild strike of 88, 
work wasn't happening. I had a lot of bills to pay. My agent, my commercial agent at the time, shared a uh, an office with a voiceover agent named Sandy Schnarr, which is where Bill and I met. And uh, so... I went over to Sandy and I said, I'd like to do voiceover. And she said, well, you're going to have to go and make a demo tape. And back then it was a reel to reel tape uh, that hung on the wall of where Bill and I first met, which I believe was at uh, the voice caster. Although we, we met at the agency, I would see Bill at the voice caster quite a bit. And uh, after that uh, I hit, I hit my stride in animation. And then uh, I started in dubbing and anime uh, a lot of shows that people might know. They might know me as Alpha 5 from the Power Rangers, the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And then uh, uh, Daggett is, uh, from the Angry Beavers was my first, you know, uh, prelay uh, Western animation. And then from there, I went on to do uh, Invader Zim, uh, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, and a lot of other uh, uh, animated series. Um, a lot. And as Bill, as Bill alluded to, I was indeed the, the green grapes in the fruit of the loom commercials for about three years, which was a nice gig. And, uh, today I continue to voice direct and, um, and still voice act in a lot of different shows, a lot of video games, psychonauts, ratchet and clank stuff, stuff like that. So there's a brief overview of my experience, Anthony. Um, Richard, yes, I want to take a slightly different tactic with you than what we've taken with everybody else, because we've had a lot of conversations about breaking into the business, what it's uh -huh. like to be a voiceover artist, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, the, the cardinal, I think, piece of advice that Bill Holmes gives is improv, improv, improv. You know, I was listening to that earlier, uh, Anthony. I was listening to Bill's comment about uh, improv classes. And for me, it was improv and sketch comedy. I would tell you, I think you read a question from one of your listeners about where they can listen to these things. And I'll tell you one of my favorite things to listen to is- Thank you, yes. Yeah is um and it's and it's an old reference so hopefully everyone will remember it but it is um bob newhart uh the button down mind of bob newhart which was oh my god yes one of his first uh albums was the button down mind it was a huge hit but the reason why bob newhart is so amazing there is he's doing what we do in animation when it comes to auditioning and to be honest with you when we're recording especially these days when we can't be in the room with the rest of the actors um, is you believe that the other person he's talking to is there and you can imagine based on what he is doing, what they are saying, i.e. the driving instructor or the submarine captain, all those are great. It's like, yes, sir. Uh, and you never hear the other person's lines because obviously they're not there, but Bob Newhart makes you believe that they are there. Yeah. And you know what? I, I started this segment of tonight's conversation by saying, Shane, oh, my God, you know, you and Kevin really grew in tonight's episode. They really carried tonight's episode. But when you look back on what was presented to you when you first signed onto this project and then listening to it, hearing it back, the way it's been produced, just give us some of your thoughts, because the, the whole editing of it all and putting it all together, all the multi-layers build a world that is just so, honestly, I, I, I'm still in awe of what Shane and Bill do 
to build this world the way they build it. Well, I'm pretty impressed with both Shane and Bill, um, mainly because, you know, Bill and I share a, a studio. We, we share a building where we both teach out of, uh, or at least we did, you know, pre-pandemic. I haven't been there in a while. However, you know, when, I, when they first told me about this idea, I thought, yeah, yeah, they're, you know, they're going to put something together for a podcast. Everyone's got a podcast. But then when I heard it and I saw the, the depth to these characters and the writing and the cast he had assembled, I was like, wow, this is pretty amazing. And uh, to be honest with you, Bill, Bill directed me, Bill and Shane both directed me during our session. And um, I, was, I was just commenting to Bill not long ago that I feel a little bit like Archie Bunker in, the, in my take. What do you think you're <laughs> doing, meathead? You know, but yeah. but. Bill and Shane both had a great direction, especially on that monologue about love and that monologue yes. about love that my first take on it was probably more of a, you know, a 1940s, you know, love is the greatest thing in the world, you know, like, a, like a, um, uh, Coleman, what's his name? The actor, the old Coleman, Bill will know. Um, anyway, Ronald Coleman, Ronald Coleman. Yes. It would be easy to do that, but, Bill and Shane, particularly Bill, I love Shane, but particularly Bill, because he knows me, said, hey, just make it more real. Just like have this conversation. Don't don't overemphasize the aspects of yeah. love and all that stuff. Take it of the aspects that we're used to seeing. Exactly. It could have yes. been just a, it could it could have been just, you know, a pedestal. It could have been just a, a heavy handed thing. Which is, you know, <laughs> I'm known for being fairly heavy-handed, um, but but oh, both. Oh no, of them... Richard! No, of course, no! Don't <laughs> don't say that, Richard! No. <laughs> but the two of them, um, you know, it was it it was really fun to watch the collaboration because Bill would have an idea, and then Shane would be, yeah, and then we can do this, and then we can do that, you know, and that that to me uh, is the most important thing about these kind of projects is that one, it's it's a uh, it's a piece of art and it's a piece of love. And so you're constantly talking about the art you're creating, you know, and egos could easily get, get, you know, hurt and all this in the way, yeah. in the way but it, it didn't, which is an amazing thing. At least, at least in the day that I, that I was working the other times they might've been at each other's throats. I don't know. You'll have to ask Bill. We were always at so, each other's <laughs> I want to remind our listeners that if you're listening right now on ACB media five, please, Join us using any of these Sunday edition links that you will find on all of the email lists that we have out there, leadership, communication, conversation. Join us right now. You can ask your question live. Just raise your hand. Cindy's here to field questions. Um, and if you have a question and you're listening on the podcast forum, Shane and Bill have committed to making sure that our guests will get those questions and be able to answer to them. So the email address is Sunday edition AC at AOL.com. So going back to looking at that script, looking at, at the trajectory of where that was going, when you first took a piece of it and said to yourself, how do I build this character and how do I make this character stand up in what Bill and Shane want to present with this project? What did you think? Was it daunting? Was it an exciting challenge? What were your, your thoughts when you first presented what you were going to be giving to this series? I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
to be honest with you, Anthony, I'm I'm rarely daunted. Um, and and the and the reason for that is because, as Bill pointed out, I, I teach. And the main thing that I teach is that I teach what's called the art of playing pretend. And um, and we all learn to play pretend. We just do. But we forget that we forget that like we learn to play pretend as children and we try to we make it about being a good actor, et cetera. Um, but, but ultimately me, it goes back to let's play pretend. It's always yes. what it comes back yes. to is playing pretend. And uh, that's what we're doing. And, you know, I, I had the, I had the advantage of that. I'm good friends with both Shane and Bill so that the, the, the playing of it, we discovered together because uh, I didn't, I didn't have access to the full, the full um, script. Uh, I only knew my my story, my part of the story, and I'm assuming I'm coming back in seasons two, three, four, and five. Um, but, you better be. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but um, we we kind of worked on it together. I I came in with my ideas with this, and uh, you know, uh, Bill and Shane, uh, you know, smoothed out the rough edges. Uh, there's some things that I kind of approach from uh from just my years in animation where um bill reminded me you know often to just you know you know just pull it back a little make it more real which is really good to hear because for so many so many jobs that i've done it's always been no bigger louder <laughs> you know yes. bigger and louder especially especially with character character positions yeah exactly yeah yeah uh but um you know, what's amazing about their script was that it was, you know, I was very impressed with how uh, filled out the world was. And when the world is filled out, it makes the playground a lot easier. And what I refer to as the playground is the story. Um, you know, I think it's important for an actor in general to get out of the way of the story. Our job is not to drive the vehicle. Our job is to let the vehicle drive us. We're, we're merely a vessel through which the words pass but those words have to be informed. Uh, and it's not like we don't do funny voices and silly accents and all these things. We do do that, but we don't do it first. That's the difference between those who do and those who don't is that they think it's all about the character, but they don't realize that the character comes out of the story. Um, what Bill was saying earlier that Bob Bergen said about, um, how was it, Bill? The voice will follow or something? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Bob always says... Uh, you know, find the truth of the scene and the voice will follow. Right. And the way I say yeah. it is uh, the voice does the work of the spirit. Uh, the spirit is not a religious statement. But what I'm saying is, is that. Um, what are you telling with the story? Well, it's even simpler. We, you know, most voiceover actors approach it from what voice am I going to use? What voice am I going to use? But the fact of the matter is, is that we do voices all the time without even thinking, for example, if you're going to talk to a little baby, you don't think to yourself, now, what voice should I use that lets this baby know it's cute? Hello, baby. No, that scared it. We automatically go, hi, yeah, was a good baby? Or if My you name's a... Elmo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If you're paying with a dog, you automatically go, but as a kid, if you were Superman, you didn't just go, freeze Lex Luthor, I'm Superman. You went, freeze Lex Luthor, I'm Superman. And so... Yeah, my statement is the voice does the work of the spirit of play, and that's what it is. And wow, and uh, Bill and I play a lot. We 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 have a, like Bill said, we go back many many years. We rib each other because he's you know he's a Bears and a Cubs fan, <laughs> but, 
they can't think of anything but bears as their uh, mascots. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, um, they so that spirit of play makes it easy oh. when I had a good script and I had Bill and, and Shane in the booth. So in, in following that, that, that theme of conversation for our community who is blind and or low vision, and wants to get into the, this business. They want to be a part of what goes out to our community and what we can experience as part of our community. What are some tips that you can give to somebody who's blind or low vision to make a demo, to make something that stands out, that makes them somebody that people in this business want to hire? Well, you know, my, my, uh, my advice will be... Uh, I'll just add on to what Bill said and everyone else said, you know, improv is, is a great, uh, is a great tool because that happens a lot in the booth. Um, and we're talking true improv, meaning there's a difference between what I refer to as well-rehearsed improv improvisation, which means you're just rewriting the lines. Um, but improv is a good, is a good place to start classes as Bill said. And the, my main thing is do not do your own demo. First and foremost, I have three rules about demos. The first is don't do your own demo. Two, don't um, go to someone or a friend that has a studio that says he can record you and have your own demo. And three, always go to a demo producer like Bill or myself or other people who have relationships with the agencies that know- Within the they, business, yes. Yeah, that know what they look for uh, in a demo. Because you want that. And, and I'll be brutally honest, as Bill said, we're, we're brutally honest. They're not cheap. A good demo is not cheap, but it's well worth the investment. So, um, so to answer your question, Anthony, I would approach it as anybody would approach it, you know, um, sight impaired or, or otherwise. It's about playing pretend and breaking down your stories. And when it's time to make a demo, you go to um, you go to a professional that can help you accomplish your determination. And again, if I can oh. jump in, you know, don't don't make a demo unless you feel you're really ready to make. Absolutely, it. don't spend yeah. that kind of money until you know. And again, I'm saying to to your folks here, Anthony, yeah, send me whatever you're doing. You know, put something together and send it to me and Shane. We'll we'll evaluate it for you. You know, don't go out and spend a lot of money and then send us something like that. You know. And in all honesty, Anthony, I've done sessions with people who have been sight impaired and that have been able to do the sessions just like anybody, just like anyone else. There's no reason for any kind of, uh, I, I understand the, that you were talking about the 70% of, of out of work. Were you saying, was that the-, the uh... Yeah, 70% of our community is unfortunately unemployed at the moment. Yeah, um, that's, that's too bad and that needs to be rectified for sure. But um, I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in determination. And if you're determined to have something, you will figure out a way to have that. I have a saying, it's a law of nature. The greater the determination, the greater the obstacles and how we go about uh, tackling those obstacles is what gets us where we want to go. So in looking at something like car serum, which is, you know, obviously all the stars were aligned, Jupiter, the moon, Pluto, and all the planets that needed to be aligned were aligned. Pluto for something and like Goofy. This. Yeah, Pluto and Goofy. Um, but, you know, looking at things like commercials for, for medication and 
the the various things that we know that is voiceover right now. We can go to our um, National Library Service and get something that's an audio book. Yes. We can go and listen to commercials where, you know, there's 25 side effects to whatever <laughs> we're going to, you know, use for restless leg syndrome. What are some of the things that you would point to folks in any community, but most especially our community, what should we go to as the gold standard to try to base ourselves on to get break into this business? Well, to break into the business, um, I'm, you know, the gold standard. Boy, that's a pretty broad question, Anthony. I will say this, that um, I'm a big proponent of, of workshops that you can get into, and especially via Zoom now, because no matter where you're located in the country, you can do these workshops um, as long as um, you have the capability to be able to um, uh, read the read the. Uh, uh, the scripts they send you, but I'm a big proponent in doing workshops with, um, uh, you know, working uh, casting directors, working agents, that sort of thing. And I do believe Screen Actors Guild does have some resources, don't they? Where they have, uh, where they have, um, even if you're not a union member, I think they they offer resources. The John uh, LaFontaine, uh, yeah, studio they have there, yeah. So there are resources, you just have to seek them out. Um, but, but, but that's particularly what I would say is, it, you know, get into these workshops if you can with these casting directors and agents. So Cindy, we're gonna open it up to questions in a moment, but I've got a couple okay. more questions for Richard himself. Can you tell the folks how to raise their hands and make sure that they're in the queue for questions? Okay, I'm sure what, okay. Okay, if you are on your computer to raise and lower your hand, alt Y. If you're on a smartphone, <laughs> the lower right hand corner and more. If you're on a Mac to raise and lower your hand, option Y. And if you're on your landline or push button phone, star nine. To mute and unmute on your computer, Alt-A. On your smartphone, to mute and unmute, lower left-hand corner. On the Mac, to mute and unmute, Shift-A, Command-Shift-A. And on your landline or push-button push phone, Alt-Six. So Richard, I'm gonna ask you, when it comes to the world of voiceover and things like Car Serum and all the video games that you've been involved in, what has been the most influential and or impactful piece of advice given to you to make the characters that you make in things like Car Serum and video games? Uh, <clears throat> to not make it about yourself. To not make it about, to think... To, to get out of the way of the story. So the most important thing to me is making the story more important than myself. For example, uh, Bill said that you can tell that it's me in every story because he's right. I do have a distinctive voice, obviously. And yet in, in, in any voiceover world, you would think, oh, you have a distinctive voice. So you only have two or three characters. Uh, 
so um, I really, by all by all accounts, should have only done two or three characters in my entire career. But I've done over, you know, 250 jobs. Yeah. And even though you know that it's me, you still follow me into my stories because a long time ago, I thought to myself, you know, it's Robert De Niro in every movie you watch him in. You he you would argue that he sounds and is the same in Casino as he was in Goodfellas, as he is in The Irishman, etc. And yet we follow him into his story because he gets out of the way of the story. He makes the story more important than himself. Yes. But yeah, but the, the problem is, is that most people that are approaching voiceover think it's their job to book the job. And so they spend most of their time preparing to impress, to impress the people that are listening. And if you know anything about the, um, the SAG statistics of working voiceover actors, a successful voiceover actor books 2% of everything they read, 2%. So that means that if you look at the statistics and you're in, and you're trying trying to impress people with your reads because you're trying to book because that's more important than playing pretend that means that 98% of the time you're going into that booth alone trying to impress people that you are never going to see hear meet or know and that to me, that to me is no form of artistry i have to have fun I have no control over what the people are looking for. The others, as I refer to them, people that I'll never know. So I don't want to try to impress them. I want to make my stories real for me. I want to inform my words. And once I know my words, I'm free to play. I have a saying, when you know why you say what you say, then you're informed and you're free to play. And then you play. play how you play. Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So that gives me the perfect lead in. It was a question I was going to ask about two questions from where we are right now, but it's perfect. How do you deal with rejection? When that comes to you, what happens in your own psyche? And what do you give to those of us in the community who, when rejection comes to us, it's, it's, it's life affirming. Yeah. No, well, are you talking I'm about my do. wife? Are you talking about my <laughs> wife, Anthony? Wait a minute. Wait a second. <laughs> I'm not talking about anyone's wife, I promise. <laughs> Anthony, I, I actually teach this quite often. The answer is, uh, is very clear to me. It doesn't mean we're not disappointed. We don't get a job or a story we really wanted to play in. But the fact of the matter is, is that when we don't get a job that we really want, we have a tendency to think that someone beat us out or that someone was better than us. Better than us. Yes. And so that would be like, if I go in and I do my Superman and then Anthony comes in and does his Superman, the actor's brain goes. So the casting director goes, yes, Anthony is our Superman. But in our actor's brain, we're thinking they're going, Anthony is our Superman. Oh my gosh, Richard was horrible. He was a horrible Superman. That's what the actor brain does. But that's not what it is. It's not. It's just what they see and what they hear when they see and hear it. I've actually heard Richard Superman and he's horrible. I'm horrible. Yes, but he here's the thing. 
just because we don't book the job doesn't mean we didn't get the part. This is simply how I would play if I were playing as Superman. And the only reason rejection hurts is because so many people spend most of their time trying to impress people. I've given up my need to impress. I've given up my need to book. I've given up my need to be liked. I've given up all that. And the only thing I embrace is finding the answers to the questions I have about my story. And that's where I and exist. the story that's given to you with yes. the script that's presented to you for the reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Richard, you have to say that again because that's the key. That's what our folks don't understand. Yeah. Just because we don't book the job. You don't book the job today. Yeah. You'll book something else that's fitted for you. But but the question becomes this if you're so focused on booking the job, then that means you're existing in the in the primary reality, the reality of booking the job. But where you're really supposed to exist is in your secondary reality, telling your story. As my mentor, Diana Castle, used to say to me, the problems in your secondary reality, who you are in your story, are more important than and more. It's ridiculous. Let me put it this way. In your secondary reality, you could be a spy. You could be a ruler of worlds. You could be in a love triangle. You could be a god. You could be an alien. In your primary reality, you're thinking, gosh, I hope I don't trip on this word. Gosh, I hope I book this job. I hope they like me. I hope they like me. It doesn't even compare. If I don't don't pronounce that medical term or that. Yes, 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 yes. But in the end, tell our folks, because this is this is oh my god i've waited for this conversation Mm -hmm. we're at uh, i think episode 12 i've waited for this conversation for 12 episodes wait a minute it's taken 12 episodes for will zoo to show up (laughs) wow wow no but all kidding aside we're not all set for the part that we think that we're a slam dunk for we're not all set for that piece of the storytelling that we think we're a slam dunk for. But ultimately, if we trust in the process of the telling of the storytelling, we'll find wherever we're meant to be in that storytelling process. Yeah, I mean, think about this. Our job is not to book the job. Our job is to play pretend and play pretend fully. Total definition of our job. And as someone once said to me, if you never made a dime doing this, would you still be doing it? And that's a question that only the artist can answer for themselves. There's a great book that I recommend to everyone. If, if you can still get it, it's called um, Letters to a Young Poet. And it was about Rilke. Rilke was an amazing poet uh, at the turn of the century. Uh, Claude Maria Rilke. And he befriended Another, another poet, a young poet via pay, uh, pen pal relationship. It's way before the internet. And they would, they would have a correspondence every couple of weeks. And every time the young poet would respond, he would include one of his poems. And week after week, Rilke never commented on his, his poetry. Some poetry. 
Yeah. His poem, never. I know never. this, yes. Never commented on it, never said anything until finally the young poet, and this is paraphrased, could not take it any longer. And he finally wrote to Rilke and said, I can only assume that your, your uh, lack of interest in my poetry means that you think that I should not be pursuing this, that I'm a horrible poet because his mind was going crazy the way we do when we don't book something. And, yeah. Rilke, and Rilke wrote back and said, it is not for me to answer whether you should or should not be doing this. You have to ask yourself in those mornings when you wake up at two or three in the morning, stressing with anxiety about this bill being due and this isn't done and I'm not getting where I want to go. You must ask yourself in that moment, must I do this? Yes. Yes. Must I do this? Yes. And if your answer is anything than a resounding yes, then you have to answer that for yourself. Absolutely. Anthony, you have four minutes and... 15 seconds. How many hands do we have out? Zero. Nothing. <laughs> let me double check. Hold up. Let me double check every time I see Wow, that. Bill, right. I'm Somebody a hit. does something. Wait a so, second. Is nobody going to talk about that we killed a horse a minute ago? I was going to say. about the horse. I was going to say, never work with animals or kids, Bill. And in this <laughs> one, I got both. I mean, I mean, the horse was suffering. Nobody mentioned the horse tonight. I was no, worried so, about the horse the whole time. I'm going to throw this in there. <laughs> we here at In the Land of Aru are huge, huge, huge fans of spirit. But we understand that Karis had the bond that Karis had. So <laughs> where does that leave the viewers, the listeners right now that one horse could do and one horse couldn't do? Well, I mean, one horse just, I mean, gave, I mean, the horse really gave his life to, to the, the rider, um, to, to help, help him as best as he could. Uh, so, uh, he, uh, Imogen is as devoted as spirit. It just didn't really go well for, for him or her. And, and I'm so glad that you answered that the way it is, because that's what it is. The horse knew what we as humans couldn't fathom in this situation because we're too connected at this point. Well, what the know, horse knew to give what is the spirit and, and, and allow for the next phase in the chapter to happen. Well, I, I think Shane has mentioned this in the past. I, I grew up riding horses and I grew up in the rodeo community and whatnot and horse shows when I was a kid. And I was in 4-H and all that stuff. And so the, the horse aspect of this was very important to me that we got it right. And horses are, are like dogs. They're, they're very, very loyal animals to their owners, you know. Until you eat them. <laughs> yeah, they well, know. You know. They know. But, I but mean, Bill, it's in the middle Bill, of nowhere, Richard. <laughs> Bill, be honest with us. They know when it's time for them to say, I've done everything I can do here. They have the valiancy inside themselves to know it's time to pass this on and let the next stage go happen. I, you know, I agree with that. Um, uh, I mean, uh, you know, if you go back to the 1969 uh, uh, viewing of uh, True Grit with John Wayne at the very end of the film, you know, he runs that horse to death and the horse ran, you know, to save his his uh, rider. Uh, yeah. 
until until it fell down and and couldn't run anymore and and horses will do that for you and as you could see Karis was just as devoted to the horse as the horse was to Karis. Yeah. And there so, was this one there was one time that um I was in the desert and I had this horse and it had no name. And I thought to myself on the first part of my journey there were rocks and were, were you in America? Yeah, I was in America. I figured that. I, I, I have to admit, I'm thinking to myself right now, the Eagles. A horse ah, with no it, name. It was America. It was America, so yeah. Good to be On the first part of the journey. Yes. 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 This rule always end it with a song, ladies always. and Always. And Marlon Brando. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, the, I the cool thing is, away from what you're saying is, but I, I heard it in my head on the first part. Oh, we the journey. And it's good without no rain. I like, I like, yeah, I like the, the comedian that says, why didn't he just give the horse a name? Just call him something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, what are we going to call him? Bubbles? Yeah. Happiness? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on now. We'll <laughs> zoo. You know, uh, just just in going along the lines of the show here, you know, next week you're actually going to have Karis on the show. The the gentleman plays Karis, uh, Carl Serfalio. I'm so excited. Yes. Uh, yeah, you can ask him about uh, about how he put that scene together. It was it was quite a dramatic scene. Well, I want to say this, Bill. Thank you so much for answering all of our secondary questions, Richard. Yes. You've been an incredible, incredible guest. I'm Thank hoping you. that you will come back again yes. before the end of Inland of Aru, Akarsirum, yes, fancast. You bet. Because you. I think that there's more with you as we go along, and <laughs> <laughs> we didn't touch on how you built the character tonight, but it's okay because I wanted our our folks to understand what it's like to built into the business. There's a lot of us right now mm -hmm. who really want to be part of what we present as far as audio description and audio immersive technology is concerned. Yes. There's a lot of us that want to be part of it. Good. And so Good. I have to thank you so much. My pleasure. For giving... Yeah. Thank you. And we welcome you greatly into, into the fold. So follow those determinations. And, and let me add that uh, Richard really is uh, one of the number one uh, guys that I recommend. If you want to learn about animation and voiceover and, or uh, well, of all you. aspects, he's a, he's a really wonderful teacher. He really Thank is. you. Thank you, Bill. And Richard, and, and before we go, yes. what are your Twitter, email, Facebook, yeah. et cetera? Yes. Um, so if you're interested in voiceover classes, uh, the uh, email is Richard Horvitz Voices. Uh, so that's Horvitz, H-O-R-V-I-T-Z, Richard, R-I-C-H-A-R-D, Horvitz, H-O-R-V-I-T-Z, classes, plural, at gmail.com. My uh, Instagram is, uh, I believe it's Horvitz V-O at Instagram, Horvitz V-O. And um, let's see. It is. It is. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> and, it is. Yeah. Oh, no, it's it's Richard Horvitz VO. Sorry, Richard Horvitz VO. And and uh, Twitter is, uh, I believe, is also Richard Horvitz. I, I'm not really good with the with the 
We have our minions. Yeah, at Richard Horvitz. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening to In the Land of Aru. We'll be back next Tuesday night with another exciting episode at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And if you want any questions to Richard, Bill, Shane, and all of our production team, hit me up and I will forward all those questions. Sunday edition, AC at gmail.com. Thank you so much and have a great weekend. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description or search Carcerum, C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is a recording of a live show presented by the American Council for the Blind and Sunday Edition with Anthony. If you would like to be part of the live show, please follow at Carcerum the Series on social media or join the ACB mailing list by sending an email to community at acb.org. Also, be sure to check out the podcast Sunday Edition with Anthony on your favorite podcasting platform. For more information about Carcerum, go to carcerumtheseries.com.